0: I'm all, all right. Wow. On right away, you guys. Well, it's all, it's all Saints' Day. And uh, I'm not super into the whole idea of a bureaucracy of saint recognition or hierarchy of s- saints. Let's see. Get this a little better. Is that good? Uh, but I love the fact that we. Saints have been recognized because at least their stories get told and we can read their stories even if they're little stories like I did I've been doing a deep dive this week on Saints stories and I specifically been like uh, kind of went on uh, Ethiopian Saints actually which there's a lot of Saints in Ethiopia who uh, were recognized as amazing people in of God scholars of the scriptures and had a tremendous influence for Jesus and Even no one knows their names now, and they're the guys that got recorded. But I've been thinking about the thousands of faceless and nameless people who have made a tremendous impact for Jesus, that none of us know their names, nor do we know their stories. But what I realized is every one of us probably, by virtue of even being here, has encountered some Jesus-y people has encountered people throughout our lifetime that played a role in us knowing we're precious, or we're loved, or inspiring us to be loving, and wanted to do something a little different today. And what I wanted to do was uh, have an opportunity to broadcast stories and names on the internet, save on our website for posterity, Names otherwise people wouldn't hear. And uh, I want to read a passage of scripture, give a little more commentary on what we're doing, and then I want to take the first shot at it, all right? So I want you guys to be even now thinking of the nondescript people or the names maybe lost to history that have made an impact on you. So Hebrews 12.1 says this, it says, therefore, since we are under, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. A couple things in verse. Somehow, the idea of we're surrounded by this kind of cloud of witnesses, another way to translate that is a cloud of martyrs. Martyr in those who bear witness were the same word in the Biblical Greek, martyrion, And basically, because most, a lot of people in the early church, whoever bore witness to Jesus got killed by the Roman Empire or other people. So now when we think martyr or martyr complex, we think of someone who's gonna get themselves killed. But in the early church, it was, if you bear witness to Jesus, you're gonna get killed. But rest assured, the kill won't stay and you'll come back and be resurrected. So love your enemies anyway. So that's a little history of the word martyr. Martyrino. Well, anyway, uh, something about perseverance. Perseverance is empowered by knowing that there's people that have gone before you whose legacies and maybe even some form of presence surround us. And something about that cloud of witnesses gives us the power to throw off what might hinder us. And you know what I, th- I think is one of the greatest hindrances for me, or potential hindrances, and hindrances in our culture. You know, someone might read this and say, "Yeah, you gotta stop chewing tobacco because that's hindering you." And by the way, oral cancer is awful. Please don't ever, dip, you know, right? But I'm saying, but I think when I think of hindering is what keeps me from taking risks in being a faithful follower of Jesus. And one of the things that could, one of the ever temptations, is I get heartbroken by the evil people do in the name of Jesus. I get discouraged, in particular, you know, there's kind of a trend that the the wealthier or more established a nation is that you live in, the church, the more wealthy or established that nation is, the church tends to take on more of that nation than they do of Jesus. And Jesus actually taught about this. He talked about uh, camels and all these other metaphors. But the idea is, so we live in a nation that's got so many blessings, but at the same time, we're also the most tempted to conflate uh, our national values with our faith. Whereas, uh, you know, my brothers and sisters in Cambodia are not going to conflate the rule of their prime minister and the proxies behind them or whatever, the people behind them with the Kingdom of God. So they've got kind of an angle above us. But I specifically i have been listening to the Mars Hill podcast, uh, which uh, you know, was brought up at our National Vineyard Conference and stuff. And it's been a helpful rumination on the history and abuse of power regarding one person. Now, my, my friend uh, Rose Sweatnam, who's one of my personal saints, is interviewed on two episodes of this podcast because she was a woman, one of the pastors who organized people speaking out against the evil done by this uh, leader in Seattle, Washington. She was one of the faithful people. Now, Eventually, the response to her was, you pastor a really tiny church. I pastor a big church. Why should I listen to you? Uh, But Rose is, uh, I can't begin to tell you. Rose, bless you. She's still with us, but she's a saint anyway. But when I think of this, for every person who gets... podcast written about how evil they are whoever you know basically true crime podcasts right there's millions of people whose name is never heard who are working in the shadows or just aren't noticeable beyond one generation or even during a generation who changed the world for every church that is abusing power and looking for prestige there's a million churches holding The impoverished areas of America together through this web of storefronts and ramshackle churches and home Bible studies hold this nation together in the most vulnerable parts. While we institutionally neglect certain groups of people, the church is not. And guess what? Those guys are not getting the press releases. And frankly, there are certain ministries the church engages with the most vulnerable people that you don't want people to know about because other people might try to frustrate your efforts of caring for vulnerable people. So, so much of the best Jesus stuff in the world is anonymous. And for me, is I get dep- easily depressed and easily hindered by the stories of Mark Driscoll, Mars Hill, Robbie Zachariah, you name it, all the Christian celebs or influencers. And it sometimes makes me wanna, and then I just remember who actually changed my life. It was none of those people. So I'm gonna just begin and I want people, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do testimonies. And the way we're gonna do this is stay masked, you can get up here and you can either take off or keep on your mask, do not touch the microphone because then I'll have to sterilize it, but uh, just talk into this. And that's why we set the front row uh, back a little, is we want to air the names of the people who do not get Podcasts produced about them. Because frankly, I'm here because of invisible people. I am here today. There's nothing, and I will one day be invisible. And I relish that idea. Uh, in fact, uh, one of my hobbies is to look for the story behind the story behind the story. And thank God for Google, I can do that. And I've been doing a deep dive on those who influenced those who influenced the end of slavery in this European slave trade. I've been researching uh, the, those who, behind the scenes, invented what we know as social work, as far as uh, relational-based, organized care for the poor. Researching that, researching those of uh, faithful people who got together in Bible studies who decided that the poor need education institutionally. Those who did, I mean, literally, do you know there has not been a, a, a large-scale abolitionist movement that's come into being apart from people of faith in Jesus. That's pretty amazing. And when I look at uh, human history, we may be on the cusp of seeing the indirect impact of the invisible people who've influenced us and us becoming in, in, invisible people that lead to the domino effect of the kingdom eradicating various forms of injustice. We've seen the exponential growth of Asia's hope in three nations where, at least I know in Cambodia, it's made a, uh, it's made a systemic difference in uh, destroying uh, the pipeline of human trafficking. And how many countless invisible people went into that. So, my first cup I'm going to name, and I've, I've been able to share, these, share stories a lot about my mom. So I want to talk about Onda Armstrong. Onda Armstrong is in the southwest side in the nursing home right now. And my grandpa would call her, and we joked around, we said he had a phone date with her pretty much every day before he died, and he would send her Grubhub so she wouldn't have to eat the awful food because my grandpa likes good food. Well, Onda Armstrong started a nursery school at First Alliance Church that uh, became a place for my mom who was undergoing uh, a debilitating depression where she could get respite from her child she loved so much but her child with neurological and behavioral difficulties and she got a little break from me but her interactions with this family that Onda Armstrong brought together and Onda specifically, and also Judy Poston, Onda specifically, my mom found Jesus to my family found Jesus, to our extended Greek family and all the people they forced to be a part of their family because you don't meet not family in like my family, and to the tune of doubling the size of a church. And I think of Anda Armstrong. No one knows that at the nursing home she's in right now. So praise God for Anda Armstrong. Who's, who's up next? I need, I want to keep sharing people until we get someone to take the next mic, because I know so many of your stories. So, someone come up and interrupt me. So, before Luis gets here, I want to really quickly say, uh, Steve Scarpetti, amazing Catholic Jesus guy, second grade teacher. I had a lot of teachers that demoralized me. One good teacher made such a difference. God bless you, Mr. Scarpetti.
1: This is kind of low, but okay. I, I don't know how I need to stand, if I can stand like this, or or just use an imaginary chair. Oh, there you go, it's a lot better. Um, a person that was sort of, um, that influenced, that had a lot of influence in my life was this pastor from, a Duluth, from the Duluth Vineyard Church, his name is Asa. Um, Asa had so much grace and patience towards me, even though he knew that I was full of it (laughs) all of the time. And uh, just hanging out with him, and I don't know, he he always had such a calming presence. And that always made me think, wow, he truly has Christ in him, (laughs) and I want to be like him. Like Christ, Christ, but also like, like, like Asa. Asa. So, Asa.
2: i not kidding.
3: Oh, look at him. Good job. So uh, when Jeff started talking about this, uh, my mind went to uh, my childhood. And actually, Jeff and my story intertwine uh, in, in a number of different ways. Uh, but I, I also was a, let's say, a neurodivergent child. And I was, a, I was by all accounts, a difficult child um, in the sense that I was always the one. I always had a question. I was always really difficult for me to uh, stay engaged with one thing. My mind was always doing, you know, 50 different things at at a time. I had, uh, by the time I got to middle school, I had developed some OCD slash Tourette's type tics, a lot of tics, including verbal tics and things that in addition to all of, all of the other, uh, stresses that my huge personality put on, on me, uh, that one just further, um, alienated me, not only from my kids, but even from my parents. My parents didn't know what to do with it. Um, And the one thing which you should, if your kids ever have ticks, you don't try to, like, yell at them to make them stop because that tends to have the opposite effect. But uh, in middle school, uh, by the time I got to middle school, most of the adults in my life, the way that they... Thought that uh, to best deal with me was to either clamp down super hard on me uh, to try to control me or to try to protect other people from my, or to isolate me. And, um, you know, and, and being a very social person, uh, neither of those things worked well at all. And and I remember uh, there was a, a woman who was single at the time. Her name was Christy Postal. Uh, I don't even know how old she was. I'm assuming when I was 12 or 13, she was probably in her mid-20s. Um, and she worked, uh, she was in the Sunday school, and she kind of worked with the youth group a little bit. And um, she treated me like i was normal and that was one of the things it was really transformational for me and i remember one time and probably uh you know it doesn't fit with our modern understanding of you know boundaries and child uh, protection stuff but she invited me to her house to her apartment um and i remember she lived in the apartments right across from graceland and she had an atari Uh, And we just hung out and she talked with me and she would make the uh, effort to talk with me uh, at church and at youth group things. And I I told her a few years ago, she's married now, uh, Christy Garena, and uh, I I told her what an impact I felt she had in my life. And I think I told her something like, you may have been the difference between me hurting myself or hurting a lot of other people. Uh, at that time, because I just had so many frustrations, and so I'm thankful for Christy, but it's also just, and and she had no idea, I mean, she had no idea, I don't even think when I talk, I don't think she remembered me going over to her her apartment, I'm like, yeah, you had Pong, and she's like, I did, but honestly, I don't remember, and it would be easy to be offended at that, uh, you know, uh, that this person doesn't remember these interactions that were so important to me, but that was the type of person she was. I, we, uh, we read through the scripture the fruit of the spirits, we've been doing that recently. Uh, I recently read a, sort of an analysis, a textual analysis, and said it's not, these aren't separate fruits of the spirit that you get uh, love and joy and peace, but the idea is that this is a fruit that is a love, joy, peace, with hyphens in between all of those type of person. And um, that's what uh, she just embodied. And because she did embody that, um, you know, and she was willing to make herself available to me, she made a real impact on my life. And so you talk about unsung. She'll never show up in any, in any if there, you know, if anyone gives a eulogy probably or talks about what I've been involved in in my life and that, that, that her name would never kind of naturally show up in that. But I think about her uh, and I think about that quiet, uh, that be, and because she had the fruit of the Spirit, I wasn't a threat to her. I wasn't a threat to any control she was trying to put on the room. I wasn't a threat like I was to the people, kids my age, a threat of, I don't really want to be around him because my social status deteriorates when I'm with the, the weird hyper kid, you know? But because she was secure uh, in, you know, and, and filled with the Holy Spirit, I feel like it just sort of naturally... Uh, uh, it wouldn't have occurred to her to treat me like the other people in my life treated me. And so I'm thankful for her, for Christy.
4: Can somebody put this down? Okay, good, that's good. Um, We need to get a woman in here, so I... I had to elbow my way in. Um, So I have these um, long-term friends. Their name are are Mike and Kathy Seiler. Few of you know them. Many of you have heard them because I tell many stories. Um, I became a Christian in college, and that's where I met Mike and Kathy. And I met them because um, they came up to me, and they saw something in me that um, was valuable. And of course, that was Jesus, but they saw that and they became my friends. And that friendship lasted through, still is alive today, and we see each other, um, you know, periodically. They live in a different town than I do now. But um, we lived close to each other for a long time. And that friendship saw me through um, a divorce, troubles with my job, raising three kids on my own, all of those things. Um, they were there and they were that constant that I needed in my life during those terrible times, or troubled times, or difficult times. And additionally, their, um, impact on my life and the life of so many other people is in this town. And in this small town, they live on a street, um, in the downtown area that has been plagued by. Um, many um, by a lot of prostitution, and and when they moved down there, there was a home, a house um, on the street, it's a residential area, that um, had been a house of prostitution. And um, the prostitutes had been routed out of there for whatever reason. And and, um, Mike and Kathy organized this group to clean it out, and it was awful and disgusting and horrible. But they cleaned out that house, and then they were able to rehab it to sell to other people. And, and then on they went to the next house in that block, and they bought it for, you know, twenty or $30,000, and they rehabbed it. They got in, in good electricity, good water, um, you know, the walls, they cleaned up the walls and the floors. They sold it to somebody else with a business, and they sold it to a Christian with a business who wanted to move downtown. They sold that and they moved on to the next house. And they basically rehabbed this area downtown. The the city saw it and saw it as good and gave them a house to rehab. And they have this whole block full of Christians that have decided to live downtown, to buy into this community and become part of this community. And this is in southeastern Ohio where the oxycodone and is, is rampant, and people are dying, da- dying daily with that, and um, also COVID is rampant because nobody wants to vaccinate or wear a mask. And they are still going at it, and they're older than I am by a, by a pinch, and still going at it and finding people in an area, employing people in an area where they hardly have skills, and yet they employ them in, in building up these houses and um so those people in a small manner and in a another small manner have been saints um and are saints in god's kingdom
5: we have met some really interesting people and those who are faithful, and some of them have had visions and dreams, and they've been leaders in their nation. And I could share about them, and it would be exciting. But the person when I think about, the unknown person who really influenced my life, it was a Sunday school teacher when I went to this little EUB church in Cridersville, Ohio. I don't have any idea what her name was. And, but you remember the little flannel graphs? Okay, some of you remember flannel grafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she would do the flannel graphs, and when she talked about Jesus, even at my young age in, in Sunday school, I must have been, I don't know, seven or eight years old or whatever, I thought, this Jesus is a real person to her, and she really believes in him. And that turned my heart to Jesus, and I'll never forget her, even though I don't even know her name.
2: Good morning, uh, Vignette. Uh, yes, I'm not sure if I understood uh, what Jeff said about uh, uh, exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. So, but I do as I understood. Uh, yes, uh, there is a a, a a a message on an audio on. It's a, actually was an, uh, a message that I have been sent uh, in in uh, uh, WhatsApp and it is a little bit relevant to what I understood here. The message says uh, talks about uh, uh, a village that has three different uh, great people. Uh, one of them is a, a uh, uh, rich man, one of them is a butcher, who uh, uh, slaughters uh, animals and, and makes food ready for the village, and the other one makes uh, bread. So these three people uh, are there, everybody knows them, the, the one who, who does the, 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 the rich one doesn't do anything, doesn't talk to anyone, he's just by himself and takes care of his business and people don't like him just because of his lack of, 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 a, of a relationship good relationship with other people. So the butcher, every morning, he takes the, the meat and gives it to every house. And the, the, the guy who makes the bread, the uh, baker, bakes the bread and gives it to, to the people. So the, and the village is just living, living a life like that, quietly. And one day the rich man died. So, so nobody wanted to go to the funeral of the, the, of the rich man, because they know he's rich, but also he doesn't do anything for the village, He's not even has any good relationship with the people. So, so the next day there was no, no meat, there was no, no bread. So people were wondering. And uh, they went to, to the butcher and asked him, he said, no, it's the rich man that used to finance the, the, uh, uh, the animals I used to buy. And he, he's dead. So they rushed to the other one, the, the, uh, the bakery man, and he told them, no, it is the rich man that used to supply the money to buy the flour and make, make the bread. So finally what happened is that some people, silent people, are doing good, okay, and those who do, who expressed, exhibited as the people who are, who, are, who are seen. So for myself, uh, specifically why this relates to, to, uh, to my life personally, I have been in this uh, country nearly over 20 years and uh, have been just going through some uh, type of experiences. I just beyond my control. So uh, uh, found myself without insurance and uh, got here. Uh, uh, how you call sick and how to go to the hospital. So, and from the hospital, I've been led to face mission, from mission, I came here. So it's a long story, but what I wanna, my point here is to to, to see that, say that, that I, right now I live in, in a house, which we you call, I think, a good house, <laughs> good house, that's where I am now. And I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know how this is coming. And I uh, don't check on it. I, I just I know that. that there are some people behind what I'm receiving right now, and this is done on the name of, of Jesus Christ, and uh, uh, I see someone always uh, uh, like uh, uh, Daniel, okay, and these are the, like, uh, represent like the patch and the, how you call it, the, 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 uh, uh, the, baker. the baker. <laughs> But the uh, rich man behind that is the church itself, the community, and I'm very grateful for that.
5: Thank you.
6: Hi, Um, so I wanted to share just the impact for me that my grandparents had on my life and a lot of people may think that Grandparents um, don't necessarily have a big impact on a kid's life, but mine had such a huge impact on my life. Uh, my grandparents, my dad's uh, parents, they, uh, they would always, like growing up, invite me to church. My family didn't go to church, um, and I didn't really know much about Jesus, um, but they would always invite me to go to church with them to the little United Methodist Church out in the country that they went to. Um, and the, the catch on that was, as a kid, I would always get to have lunch at their house afterwards. <laughs> and It's like how the kids mentioned the potluck. I mean, totally. I was the kid who it's like, if there was a potluck, if there was lunch after church, I would be there. <laughs> and So I wanted to go. Um, they would also always, as a kid, um, play board games with me, Rummikub, Uno, all sorts of games. Um, and that was just like speaking my love language as a kid, just having someone spend quality time with me. Um, so that made church appealing to me at, at a young age. I still didn't really necessarily um, have a relationship with Jesus. Um, but then
2: um, when I was going through a really as a teenager, school, year, um,
6: I just experienced a lot of feelings of loneliness and a lot of feelings of just experiencing bullying and experiencing just um, not feeling like I had friends and just um, depression and other feelings like that um, and even to the point of like in high school I had an incident where I, I got in a, a lot of trouble at school um, because I won't go into all the details but essentially it was to the point that, that they said that I was going to be suspended and possibly expelled from school because of, of the incident that happened at school and During that time, um, my grandparents, they really stepped up and helped a lot. Um, They were retired at the time, and they stepped up to the point of being willing to let me come to their house every day, um, because I wasn't in school anymore, and do high school, my first year of high school, my freshman year of high school at their house through like a correspondence program where Every day I would go to their house, my, my grandpa would be kind of strict with me, but it was strict in a good way. He was like, you have to read the newspaper every day. You have to summarize one of the newspaper articles, and uh, you also have to do an art project every day, and you have to take a walk after lunch every day. And even though it was just something silly and, and kind of simple like that, um, that structure helped me so much in a time where I was like in crisis and in a time when I just, like, I mean, I had always been a good student in school and to have that be taken away from me and it's like, okay, no longer can you say that being a good student is what's, what makes you um, like, get your worth and meaning out of. My grandparents helped provide that structure. Um, and then later on uh, during that time, uh, my grandparents actually gave me a gospel tract. And it was a during a time when I was really depressed and like even had thoughts of suicide during that time and a lot of people would think oh a gospel tract those little booklets that say like how jesus died for you and that you could be forgiven for your sins that they're just silly and people just take them throw them in the trash and they don't mean anything Uh, but in my case it it actually clicked and it really spoke to me um, and it was just so amazing Uh, that I could see that like I didn't know how I knew that it was true but I knew that the gospel was true I knew that that Jesus was real and I prayed for the first time um, and that that's when I began my relationship with Jesus and so just wanted to share that um, the impact you can have on a kid's life is a lot so definitely any kids that you have in your life um, pour into them with all your heart and maybe you could impact someone else to accept Jesus like I did.
5: This message is not MC
7: approved. So, um, but I have to start back about maybe 40 some years ago when my dad was cutting hair and would cut the hair of this little guy that would come into his shop with his dad. And about, I don't know, 15 or so years later, that guy started going to college with my sister and became like one of the best friends that she's ever had. And then About 28 years ago, um, I met who would become this person's wife in high school. And they've been up here saying, you know, they've mentioned over the years, you know, like our connection and relationship, but I have to say it's Jeff and A. And um, like, I know you're going to hate me for this. But you guys have, like, I, 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 could, I could talk for an hour about what you guys have meant to us. Um, I don't want to cry. But um, just seasons, trials, um, marriages, parenting, um, and you've really shown us Jesus over the years, um, and just Jesus in a real way, like, uh, and I'm sure everybody sitting here probably
8: feels the same. Um,
7: but like, just the freedom to be real, be like a human being with crap and flaws and humanness, um, who knows that you're loved by God. And that, that's just, it's eternally impactful for us, for our family, you guys have loved our kids, we love your kids, like it, there's just so many things. And as you brought up like the Mars Hill um, podcast series, which we've been listening to, and I'm just like, I can't think of more opposite charactered people to lead a community than you two. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, not entirely really sure that there won't be podcasts and, and books, books about you someday, you know, but, uh, but, but I'm actually, just, yeah, yeah. Love, love you guys, guys and like so grateful so for, so grateful so for the decades of impact you guys, you guys have so had on, on me and my family.
8: Oh, wow, this is actually the right, well, maybe. Can you, can you look? I'll probably be on my tiptoes the whole time. There we go, thank you. No.
5: (laughs) I'm actually going to share
8: about my grandparents, too. Um, My grandparents' names are Chuck and Cheryl Ernesty, and, oh gosh, now I'm going to cry. I love these stories so much because it just shows, like, how much impact like, we individually have on people and, like, we don't realize it, but, Ugh, okay, I'm okay. Um, my grandparents are my best friends. Um, I shared a little bit about them in my testimony a couple weeks ago, but they are the people that are like Jesus in flesh here on earth, like, among us, and I don't think that they realize that they're that people, um, they basically raised me. They raised me to know who Jesus is, like who Jesus really is, and showed me that through their love for me. Um, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I know, I know. The, the problem is if I cry, then I can't talk. <laughs> That's true, and I cry all the time, so. Um, but they really loved me, and That's something that I just always needed in life was somebody to show me that unconditional love. And they've showed me that like through so many different things. Like I shared a couple weeks ago how my grandpa would do like the anointing of oil and like the baptisms like every single week. And as a little girl, like I would go up every single week to get baptized or like anointed with oil because I knew that like my grandpa, it would like give like pleasure to my grandpa to see that, but not out of a place that like, I needed to do something to, like, prove myself to him, and, like, that showed me God's love so much that, like, God is pleased when we do things that make him feel loved and make him, like, known, but not out of a way of, like, pressure that we have to be that way or have to do that, um,
5: and that's been, like, so
8: impactful for my life, um, There's, like, so many different things that they've done in their life that, like, won't be recognized, like, when they were younger, when they first became Christians, they led, like, a, like, a worship thing for prison ministry, and I think that's so funny, because, like, I don't know, it just, it's just funny to me to think of them doing that, like, it makes sense, but like just them leading worship in that environment. Like nobody would ever know that. And the only reason I knew it is because I saw a picture of them in a newspaper that they had like in their memory books. (laughs) Um, But they are the people that have encouraged me the most in who I am. And they're the ones that have had dreams about me preaching. (laughs) And they're the people that have like, just like encouraged me so much. Like just made me believe that there's something worth while in me and i think that has like a measurable value they've loved me so well they've encouraged us through our immigration process um i always know that they will show me love if i need it (laughs) and i don't know i wish everyone could meet them they're my best friends and they're just wonderful people and i know that like god has like such amazing things waiting for them whenever they pass (laughs) and i don't know there's so many things that I could say, and also so many people that I could recognize, but they're just wonderful, and I hope that all of you have people in your life like them.
9: Hey, I'm Ellen. I'm gonna record this for my friend I'm talking about. Sorry. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I just wanna tell a quick little little story. Um, so when I was in, like, I was in a really, really, really hard time in college age, and um, I, like went to a church um, by myself, it was called Mosaic, and it was at the Lennox Movie Theater. It's no longer um, there, but I went there, and I saw someone who I was acquainted with from school, like, school several years ago, you know, before that time, and we recognized each other, and she was, like, pretty involved in the church, and she, like, literally the first thing she said to me was, like, are you in a life group? And I was, like, no, I'm not in a life group. And, um, yeah, so from that moment on, like, she just, like, loved me, Brought me into the community, and um, it was through her that I like ultimately made, like made my way into um, the church where like I met Kevin, where I was really able to like um, sort of establish myself into in like what, what I what my life um, you know what my life was gonna be. So yeah, it was all because of that one interaction, that one person, and her name's Mary, and yeah, she's just wonderful. So thank you guys.
10: Quite interesting, um, Thursday the night, I got on an internet rabbit trail. How many of have never done that? No hands up. And uh, I don't do Facebook, I do Gab because I have issues with Facebook. But it doesn't matter. But the subject came up and uh, Jeff mentioned it. It's like, wow, because I got on that rabbit trail because I wanted to find out What exactly happened? Because I heard about it. I just sort of like, you know, did get, and it was about Mars Hill. And it was quite interesting because, getting on this rabbit trail on Thursday night or whatever, till one in the morning. And so, I started searching. And found out what was going on. Because you think about it, in that city of Seattle, There was a church that went from this to this. And I was just trying to figure out why it happened. And then I kept searching and it's like, well that same leader is now in Phoenix, doing the same thing. And it's hard because my family lives right there. I have family members right there. And so ran across another website and this person's out of Chicago, don't necessarily agree with the analysis, but the analysis is still the same, is that the church, and if you look at Acts, you look at the epistles, it struggled. It struggled big time, because the focus is where Apostle Paul, I believe it said, is I preach Christ, in Christ alone. And that really should be a filter. Because through my career, through personal, I've been to many countries. Met a lot of Christians, met a lot of people. I've been in virtually every state except for one or two. And it's still the same thing. We struggle in saying, how do we do this? How do we do this? And being through the smorgasbord of different church denominations, it still goes back to very the what I grabbed on that night as I was doing my searching and I could go on and on, but it's that passage I preach Christ and Christ alone. Everything else we work out, we have our differences, and the beauty about different cultures and different whatever is we're all the same in a lot of ways. We all have different needs that we approach differently, but it's still the same. And that was the beauty of, through the past many decades of my life, is I got to see that I sat down at a dinner with a work colleagues whose father is a retired ex-PLA out of China. 30, uh, 20 years, him and his uh, wife, my buddy's uh, mother. And we're sitting at that table and he started laughing. And my friend interpreted what was in Chinese. He's like, I can't believe it, I'm sitting not knowing any English, but I learned my first English words, hands up. He was on the other side of the war. Others captured him. And there he is, sitting together. And that just hit me. Like, here I am sitting with a work colleague It's mind-boggling how I got connected with that workout league, befriending someone who early in, he was probably 15 years old when he was fighting the PLA, which was the Chinese Red Army, fighting us. But now we're sitting there together. Preach Christ and Christ alone.
11: So I was, oh, so I was thinking about what Lindy said, and uh, you know there are people that I could talk about that introduced me to Jesus, and uh, and a lot of things like that. But I think about people that make Jesus normal, right? That that are not these magnificent, charismatic, got it all together people, but they live life in a way that you can connect. Jesus to life, right? How Jesus would want us to live. And so I was thinking about what Lindy said, and I've lived in Columbus 26 years. And I remember how many of those years I've known Jeff and Adrian. And uh, it's 24 of the 26. And how I got to know Jeff and Adrian, they were a newly married couple, which was interesting. And they had a new baby, and that was interesting. And I was actually good friends with another friend of Jeff's, Mark Paxton. And I just remember one of the things that struck me about Jeff and Adrian was how real their marriage was to me. I grew up in a family where my parents never argued in front of us. And so I thought good marriage was never arguing. Uh, And uh, that wasn't real. And so when my parents did argue when I was about 18, it really shook my world. I thought, oh my gosh, my parents are getting divorced and I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember being around Jeff and Adrian and just the reality of a good marriage, right, is not that you don't argue, it's that you forgive. And I remember the first time I saw them argue, I literally thought, my friends are going to get divorced, right? And, uh, it was with a cup of tea in my hand, and there, you know, Adrian is pointing out to Jeff something that he's done that's really not cool. And I'm sitting there thinking, should I leave? I've got a really nice cup of tea in a Tinkerbell cup. Should I, should I leave? They're not asking me to leave. This is really awkward. And, uh, and, and then I got to see, you know, the reality, right? Jeff didn't own it straight away, but after a few minutes, adrian left jeff thought about it and then jeff went and got adrian and he asked her to forgive him in front of me and i was like this is really awkward Um, but you know i would pop in on them in britain you just pop in on people for a cup of tea you don't have an invite you just go in for a cup of tea you're on your way home knock on the door you know and you get invited in for a cup of tea it's normal in america you don't do it that way and so jeff and adrian do they're really good with people from other cultures. They just really are. It's just who they are. And, but they live Christ. Not just in how they are in front of people outside of their home. They live Christ at home. In a natural, weird, awkward manner that just fits. And they've done it for so many years with so many people. And blessed so many people that they need to hear just how loved they are. They need to hear that, they need hugs, they need reassurance, because Jeff may say that he walks funny. Personally, I think he walks like an Englishman, so that's probably why he feels at home there. And Adrian, you know, doesn't always see herself as she truly is, which is a friend to so many women, to so many couples, that they have saved so many marriages that they saved my marriage before I even got married, right? And I was a late bloomer on that front. And, and I just, I, I want them to come up here for a minute, our, our pastors to come up here so that we can love on them. Because I feel like if we're gonna do this, we should do it as a church. So Adrian, come up here. Come up here, come up, come up.
0: So, I'm expected to die right now, because that's kind of a funeral thing. Well, bless you guys. That was really encouraging. I don't know what to say. Uh, in uh, closing, I felt the Lord wanted me to lead us in prayer. And when I was going through pretty severe uh, clinical depression, we were in Cornwall which is kind of like the West Virginia of England as far as stereotypes go, all right? It's also one of the most beautiful places of England as West Virginia is as well. And we were in a place called Bodmin, which if you've ever watched Doc Martin, you've heard Bodmin, it's a term for like insanity or craziness, but it's actually a really, a town that's suffering very much. And we were looking for a church just to slip into. And we went to Bodmin Light and Life Church that was a storefront church Uh, with a very small gathering of people and a very struggling city and uh, John and Wendy Langford, who I've only met once, they don't know us from Adam, but we went there and felt, like, this couple loved this city that everyone made fun of and they've done Alpha for heroin addicts and everyone in their church was just a tiny gathering of people who walked past on the street and got stuck at the church and these guys would never chart on anything, and I just wanted, but when I went there, I felt the presence of God like I had been so many times, and that was one of the things, one of the little micro graces that helped me come out of a depression where I thought I couldn't go on living, is just seeing the presence of God at Bob and Light Life Church, so I wanted to, I just checked their Facebook today, they're still doing it, they're still on this, so I want to pray for that, and I want to pray a blessing on you in the same reality, because one thing I kept telling people, I was at our Vineyard National Conference, which is just a gathering of misfits from around the world who love Jesus. It's, and it's not really a power struggle place, it's just kind of like mutual encouragement context. And one thing I kept saying is, you know, we, our church has emerged, some of us are able to gather physically. And the biggest thing I can say is during this crazy couple of years, as I look around our congregation every Sunday, I literally, every person I see, I know, is a precious agent of Jesus's fully accessible love everywhere they go, and I love being a pastor who can just be so encouraged to see Jesus in a room like this where I look around and I've just seen, we're all people together who are loved by Jesus, so... I would pray a blessing over you and Bodman Light Life Church, Father, for Central Vineyard and the church in Bodman and uh, John Wendy Langford. God, thank you for gathering us. Thank you for gathering us who don't fit the right categories for at least some group of people, God. And thank you for filling us with your Spirit, your compassion. Thank you for letting us be a part of your good work. And we want to keep doing this, God. Thank you. in Central Vineyard, I just, I bless you. You, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't wanna be in a church that wasn't like this, because I wanna be around people like you. Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He was with his own group of misfits, the disciples. He selected specific disciples because they were actually comical in how misfitty they were. I mean, they were always fighting and stuff. And, I love it because that means i can be a part of this thing and he took passover and he made it about him and the rest of the world instead of about moses and just the jewish people it took passover and says my body's going to be broken and my blood is going to be spilled so you can be free to be part of my agenda to heal the world and jesus took all that and we pray Jesus' death and resurrection, we ask His presence, the power of Jesus, would be in these elements, in our lives, in our hands, feet, and mouth, to carry forth this wonderful vocation. Come, Lord Jesus.